Welcome to another episode of the Monologue Podcast, Green Finance, a podcast brought by you by Monologue Partners. We aim to de-risk innovation with stretch investments for corporates. And I'm Min Trend Managing Director. I will be your host today. Our guest for this session is Marianne Har, Director of Sustainable Digital Finance Alliances, Not-for-Profit Foundation, with the objective to harness the power of fintech to unlock financing for the Sustainable Development Goals and the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. Welcome, Marianne. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Let's have this conversation. So the first part is more why. And if you can tell us a bit more of your background first before we enter the why green finance is important to you. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. So I really started out doing uh, in microfinance. So I was working in Southern and, and Western Africa, working with uh, communities uh, on microfinance and microinsurance schemes and really to enable them to tackle uh, climate shocks better. And that was all sort of philanthropically funded at that point in time. But what happened certainly was that there were a few business models that, that sprung up, such as off-grid solar, where suddenly private capital was started to be interested. And, and I could see that that managed to scale in a different way that we were able to with our microfinance that was sort of grant financed or philanthropically financed. So I started to get really interested in these capital flows that were new and that could scale in an entirely different way. And that's why I sort of started to think around money with purpose and money with sort of a green job description and how could we both structure more assets uh, to enable capital owners uh, and asset managers to really channel financing into these green assets because I saw it as, as, a, as a vehicle for scaling quite clearly. So that's why I started to get very interested in, in the green finance space. Okay. Um, can you tell us more about what you're doing now? So now I work with green digital finance. So you could say since I started, that was really in green finance. And now today I've added on the digital. And a lot of the reflection is really the same that around three years ago, I was traveling around the world doing innovation labs around in some of the largest continents. So Sao Paulo, uh, Johannesburg, um, in China, et cetera. And looking at how could, what were the solutions or the instruments we needed to scale green finance? That was what we were working on in these labs. And, and one day in New York, I, there was a guy who was working on a blockchain solution and he could st start to rethink uh, the instrument design for green finance from a technology first perspective. And that really sort of triggered something in me saying, okay, this is a new scaling vehicle. If we can plug digital, which allows us to, uh, both structure the asset, but also the investment side in a different way than we can scale. So I started to really build out a network and started to educate myself on the sort of main technologies and how they could be plugged into green finance for innovation. Um, and then I stepped into the role of the director of the Green Digital Finance Alliance uh, exactly two years ago, actually, to, to further explore this field. So digital, it's a way to bridge the gap between uh, money for purpose and, and green finance, the way I understand it. That's, that's how we look at it, yeah. So how does it work uh, essentially to, to close those gaps? I mean, can you 
how 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 do you work uh you know how do you convince those those people to use digital you know? yeah it's a really good question i mean first the first uh year of our work, it was really around mapping out practices, because at that time, that was exactly the question from both policymakers, regulators, but also from the investment side was, well, isn't, is digital really changing it? And how can we use it to scale? So, so we were really mapping out practices and showing how could, how it could address some of the main barriers to scaling green finance. And, and these barriers were mainly sort of, um, asset sizes, the fact that many green assets are too small to live up to capital market requirements, uh, but also um, the perceived high risk and real risk, how technology can be used to de-risk green investments. And, um, and also on the data side, how we can leverage digital to get much better uh, real-time, uh, both carbon footprint, but also um, Uh, climate risk scenario data on assets. So we really try to be quite concrete first in, in mapping out the practices and showing to asset owners and asset managers how they can use it and how others are using it. And then uh, today we've also gone, taken a, a step further and gone into sort of uh, market demonstration projects uh, where we bring partners together to really then test out new ways of working with green digital finance. Do you have any assets in particular? Is it uh, uh, in green assets? Is it properties or is it uh, private equity? Is it um, you know, or is it alternative assets mainly? Yeah, I mean, we've done. Uh, if we look at sort of what we've done in the knowledge side of the spectrum, when we've worked with um, with um, HSBC to look at the digitization of green securities. So that was in the green bond space. And that was really to start to have a conversation with um, asset owners and asset managers around how can we make the green bond space even more efficient, but how can we also open it up to smaller green bond issuances? So that is a report we, la we launched last year at Climate Week in New York. And so it mapped out what's the state of um, digitization of green bonds. And we realized really quickly in that work that we had to sort of cast the net a bit broader because there hasn't been much going on in sort of end-to-end -end digitization of green bonds where you have um, also the reporting from the underlying assets. So uh, the kilowatt hours produced from the solar cell that is automatically harvested and analyzed and and then communicate it to a digital ledger that the investor will have on their, on their smartphone. Uh, most of what has been digitized in the green, green bond market as of now is in the sales and distribution side. Um, and that's what there's still huge potential and that's part of the future to also digitize um, the proof of impact reporting uh, from, from the asset, uh, the underlying green asset And then also the, um, the coupon payment, uh, there's also huge uh, efficiency gains and transparency gains in, in digitizing that. So that's on the knowledge side where we've had quite a lot of conversation with sort of the larger, the larger institutional investors. Um, then in terms of sort of what we do more hands-on on the ground in our market demonstration project, then that has mainly looked uh, at it from a different perspective. There we use, we work with a trust fund under the Paris Agreement called the CAFI Trust Fund, so the Central African Forest Initiative. It's the largest outcome payment mechanism for the six Central African countries that are home to the second largest rainforest in the world. And there we are really looking at and 
and um, experimenting with how can we use mobile wallets to um, also enable citizens to put in parts of their savings and channel more capital thereby into, um, into rainforests. So basically, how can we use mobile wallets to make citizens or include citizens into climate finance uh, mechanisms? Okay, okay. So um, the, in the how you, you, I understand that you, you're talking to investors to see, you know, how they can use technology to de-risk uh, the capital deployment to uh, small assets in a very fragmented market. I hear also how you use uh, technology to do reporting um, uh, and get uh, more people involved through uh, mobile technology. Can you give us, you know, what are your big projects for 2021? Yes, thank you. So for the 2021, we will take the next step with this market demonstration of, of trying to open up a citizen investing window into the rainforest in Central Africa. So we hope to actually be able to start to channel the first funds from Chinese citizens on the Ant Forest mobile wallet to um, the Central African rainforest during 2021. Then we have a second demonstration project that we are planning to start in the Q1 of 2021, which is more in the nature finance space or the biodiversity investing space, because next year is going to be the big year for nature. So we're going to have the world leaders to meet in Cumanin in, in China to adopt the name, next framework convention for biological diversity. And, um, and when you see uh, at the green bond market, for instance, it's only 10% of green bond proceeds that are being invested into nature. So that's sort of the next frontier for green finance. So we are going to um, launch a demonstrator project in Uganda together with the fintech ecosystem. So with MTN and a number of fintechs there and commercial banks to try to test out biodiversity linked loans to small scale farmers. So basically link the interest rate to their biodiversity um, behaviors. So we're going to use satellite to automatically track whether the farmers keep the trees um, in the ground on their fields or whether they um, cut them down. And we're going to use bioacoustics to uh, measure uh, the amount of biodiversity closed in their fields. Uh, and we're going to use uh, soil scanning uh, to look at what is the soil quality and what is the biodiversity in the soils. And then test um, the, the differences in um, counterparty credit risk between farmers that um, actually have higher biodiversity on their fields versus those that have lower biodiversity on their fields. So, we really want to prove out um, a way to structure an instrument uh, for agricultural lending that is biodiversity linked. So that's one of the big things for, for two, 2021 for us. So that's more on the sourcing of project and uh, I guess, um, okay, um, let me go deeper on the, what you want to do for 2021 on, on first on the project and first and then uh, on the investor. First on the project, so uh, you are using different technologies to monitor um, agroforestry projects, I guess. Um, but but how do you source the agroforestry project? Because it's a very fragmented uh, market out there. If you want to invest in any project, uh, you, you gotta get connected, you invest in a fund. You know, how do you access those projects? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I fully agree with you that you tend, the investment value chain, chain tend to be a bit long uh, from the actual investor down to the asset. Uh, for us, um, we have a number of uh, partners in the different markets that we work with to help us uh, source 
the projects. In this particular Uganda example, it's been MTN that's been our partner. So we usually go in and work with some of the larger mobile wallets in the markets um, to, uh, to, to source the partners uh, and work with them. Yeah, so that's the way we've we've uh, we've gone about it, and then we always have a um, a link in to discuss also with the policymaker and regulator level. So for Uganda, we have very close discussion with the uh, with their Ministry of Environment uh, to discuss with them also, and to make sure that because we are an NGO, so we are not here to sort of um, we are here to to de-risk and help to scale the market. So we want to also have a quite close dialogue with policymakers so that we make sure that whatever we learn from the project. Uh, then is filtered into uh, better policies and better framework conditions for more of these uh, types of uh, activities to scale. But it's mainly through our partners, which are mainly mobile wallets. Okay, so uh, let's go to the second part of the question: you, you, wh what you do to 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 talk to to asset manager? Because I guess the the project that you source to your partner are in a relatively small scale. I mean, that only depends what you mean by small. But say you know. Uh, you have 10 projects and uh, you need probably 10 million per project. Uh, and then usually when you talk to an investor, you know, actually um, not a, a, a global citizen, but you talk to an insurance company, for example, or an asset manager, they are not interested for projects, you know, smaller than 100 million, for example, because the, uh, the willingness to deploy capital in, the, in this sector, it's actually with large capital, right? Large funds. So how do you match on one hand, a fragmenting market of project with uh, a concentrated um, asset class, you know, uh, in terms of capital deployment. Mm. That's a really good question. And our role in the market is, is not really as matchmaker. Uh, we are, Our role in the market is much more demonstration to scale. So we push the thinking. We go into the types of instruments and try to bring the partners together before the market is ready or to accelerate the market. So we are, we don't play the role as a matchmaking um, platform. We are not the one that are outsourcing projects and then matching asset managers to those projects. That's not our role. Uh, so, so we are not in that business, uh, but we do market demonstration to prove an avenue to scaling and then we have different pathways for, for that scaling to happen after we've proved that it's possible. So, for instance, in the, in the CAFE project, the scaling avenue is through uh, mobile wallets. So that would be through the Ant Forest, which has 550 million people um, already being part of the carbon, carbon wallet. And that channel parts of their capital down to the rainforest. So that's scaling through the partnership, but it's not a, such an asset manager. It's still a mobile wallet. Um, in the Ugandan example, um, MTN is built into the project and EcoBank is built into the project as a, as a commercial bank. And uh, what we want to arrive at is really a, a project blueprint or a product blueprint of how to do a biodiversity automated loan. Uh, and that MTN and EcoBank can uh, can scale that uh, through, through their operations. I mean, EcoBank has operations in 36 countries. So we try to build into the partnerships that there is an interest in going into the experiment and that there is an interest if the experiment is successful to scale it through the partners that are already part of the experiment because we are not the ones going to be the scaling vehicle as such. Understood. And um, 
What do you do to uh, monitor the KPIs on the long run, not the, the financial and non-financial KPI? Because I guess the project, it's uh, a very long cycle. I think uh, forest, uh, agroforestry, it's, only, uh, it's not five to 10 years, like private equity, it's maybe more than 10 years. And um, in order to do uh, you know, return on investment or just monitoring a project, you need to install um, financial KPI, but non-financial KPI for impact scoring. How how do you I mean what what do you do uh, on the ground to do that? Hmm. That's a really good question. And in, in the one with the mobile wallets that we work with, the Cafe Trust Fund, then the Cafe Trust Fund, since it's part of the Paris Agreement, is implemented across the six African countries, and they are already deploying drones, satellite camera traps, um, on the ground uh, impact monitors. So we really leverage their monitoring system. To monitor because they have a huge monitoring system because they are outcome paying the countries for keeping the trees in the ground. So that's that's their role. Um, so there we really leverage their technology and their capabilities. For the Ugandan example, where um, it's much more um, with sort of a whole ecosystem of partners, it's really the agri-fintechs that we are going to work with, um, where we are working with them to figure out how can we build into their algorithms automated feedback from satellite, uh, bioacoustics, so sound lens, soundscapes, uh, and also the uh, soil scanning. So that is what much more where we, where we take three data sources and we do the work of figuring out, well, how to make that, those data sources um, ready for integration into the algorithms, what would be the cost of that, and then helping to design the product, product blueprint of how to do that so we have a scalable model. And then the idea is that going forward, it's really going to be the agri-fintechs themselves that integrate those three new data sources uh, into, into their loan, uh, loan design and loan practices. Understood. Thank you. Thank you very much. People like to know more about you versus what you're doing. So I'm going to ask you a very quick fire chat with, uh, in terms of uh, questions around. Um, so don't think too much and you know, try to tell me what goes to your mind, right? So are you ready? Yeah, for sure. If you were uh, an element of nature or a season? That would be snow. Oh, so it would be winter if I was the season because it's so clean uh, and it brings so much light. If you were a country or a city? I would be Greenland if I was a country. If you were a vehicle? Oh, I don't want to be a vehicle. I don't have a vehicle. Um, but I would probably be a Tesla. Okay. If you were a book? Oh, if I was a book, I would be a notebook so people could write in me. If you were a dish or recipe? Oh, that's a good one. I would be a veggie burger. <laughs> veggie burger. Okay. If you were a hobby? Uh, I would be singing. Okay. And finally, if you were a hashtag? I would be green finance. <laughs> I can see you live and breathe green <laughs> finance. Thank you very much, Marianne, for this, uh, for this uh, podcast. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you, Marianne, and thank you to all our listeners. If you want to hear more about Marianne, please follow her at Marianne. And if you want to hear about podcasts, you can find us at Mandala underscore Min. It was Mandala Podcast Green Finance, a podcast by Mandala Partners. I hope you enjoyed and I'm looking forward to connecting with you next month.